Do we have to start? I think so. Wow. I was, I was having a good time talking to folks. Wow. The outside were kicking in right now. It doesn't cut down my sermon, sermon length. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> Whoa. You know, give a guy a last sermon and man. <laughs> How you doing? Okay, it's a beautiful day and we're glad you're here. So I'm going to ask you if you'll take the red ritual of friendship pad. You'll share that with those next to you. We'll know you're here today. We will be sharing joys and concerns. So if you have some to share, please take an opportunity to fill a prayer slip out and let us know about that. Also, um, I hope that you came in and got something to eat as I just had something to eat for the 8 o'clock lunch or breakfast or whatever it is. And then I just had a little more now. And so I was, <laughs> I was enjoying it. And the time just, time just flipped away. But if you don't like it, fire me. Um, <laughs> and um, also, uh, next Sunday, just one service. It's going to be at 10.30. And they're going to have a reception after that. So next uh, week, just one service at 10.30. And then the second, uh, Jeff Algenia is going to be leading our services. And then on, there'll be three services, and then on the 9th, that will be Dr. Walter Dilge and Reverend Rachel Tabutal's first service with you. There's going to be just one service at 1030, reception following that as well. So I hope you have an opportunity to come out and meet your new pastors. Uh, they're great folks, and I, I think it's be a good fit, and I think you're going to love them. So uh, come on out and, and uh, support them with your presence and your support. I guess I'm going to ask you to stand as we join in our hymn of celebration, number 610, Faith of Our Fathers. So, what did I say? I want you to sing the, the tune of 610 to the words of 710. <laughs> uh, yeah.
Need help singing, directing? Sure. Okay. Choreography? Yeah, choreography. Thank you so much. As we come to our time of uh, sharing of uh, joys and concerns, uh, Brian, come up. I made a, a special uh, uh, gift to Brian at their last service. He's opened it up already, so we've got to do it again. But um, Brian, he doesn't have a pen. I gave him, did I give, not give him a pen last week at the reception? Lies, they're all of us. <laughs> so, so I presented him with this box. filled with pens. Brian, if you ever are caught without a pen the rest of your natural or unnatural born life, you're going to be fined and I'm going to ask his family to make sure that he has a pen at all times. Will, will you do that? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I stole these from the city of San Bernardino. Uh, oh no, Bakersfield, that's just as bad. Uh, uh, I, I was, at a, I was at an Air Force conference, and they, they, they had these. I said, can I have those? They said, sure, I know just the person who needs them. So, so, so now I'm an accomplice. Yes, you are. <laughs> the goods have been passed on to Brian. Brian, we just do this right now? Come on, Brian. He thinks enough of me to steal. Uh, yeah, put that, put that in your pocket. He's, I tell you, every single sign we've been together, he said, Gary, got a pen, Gary, got a pen, Gary, got a pen, Gary, got a pen, Gary, got a pen. <laughs> Consistency. Uh, that's right. That's right. Okay. There you go. You got him, Brian. <laughs> but in the, in the joy of that and our laughter, uh, we have a bittersweet uh, joy, which is um, you know, I don't even like Brian. <laughs> Yeah. I'm that rash that doesn't go away. <laughs> that we joined with him and his family today as they prepare in just two weeks to be in a new church. But we have an opportunity today to pray with them. So I'm going to be asking Brian and Julie and Christine and Timothy to come down here to the kneeling bench. And then I'm going to ask anybody who would like to come forward to lay hands on them as we ask a blessing as we send them forth, uh, having served our church over 13 and a half years, that we can send them forth. And you can come up, if you can't get up all the way, just touch someone in, uh, that's uh, behind them and come up as we ask God to bless them on this very special time. <laughs> you don't all have to come up. Come on. <laughs> So gracious God, we give you thanks for Brian and Julia and Christina and Timothy. They've been such a part of our life. We've seen half the family born in our midst and watched them grow and, and be a part of us. And all of our love, they were part of the family here. We so appreciated Brian and his ministry here and Julia and her ministry and the way they have shown the example of their love and support here in so many different ways. And so Lord, we now ask that we can send them forth with all of our love and all of our prayers and all of our grace that as they begin a new ministry in Yorba Linda, they will find that the, what they've learned here and the love they've shared here will be the sustaining strength as they begin a new ministry. We know they will do well. And so, Lord, let your spirit be upon them. Continue to give them strength and guide them in the way. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, and we all say together, Amen. 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 May we join together in our prayer hymn, if I can get the number right, uh, 2200 in the black hymnal, O Lord, hear my prayer.
May we pray. Eternal God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we come to the foot of the throne of your grace and love, giving you thanks gathered together today as the church. And in that, O oh God, giving thanks for service and ministry here for Brian and his family, but knowing we send him forth with our love to a new place where he will again share that love that he has shared here. Lord, we pray that our lives might continue in the blessing of our new pastors who we ask grace to be upon. And as they come to serve, we pray, Lord, that as this congregation has loved us, so it shall love them. We ask, O oh God, today as we gather here that your presence and spirit of the fellowship we share will be something we know will never go away because it's something held in hearts and, and lives and souls. And for that, O oh God, we give you thanks for that which is truly always eternal, never will be forgotten, will always be a part of every life here. And so, Lord, in that we give you all the thanks and all the praise. And as we take a moment in but a short and simple time of silence, might we make this a time, O oh God, to lift a prayer, to consider your presence, but simply to know that when we are still, you are truly in our midst. Hear our prayers, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God, for a presence that never leaves us. And having gathered once more today by our fellowship and by our worship, may we leave here being strengthened, not only in our own lives and the lives of our families and those we love and our friends here, but Lord, that we go forth to share that love with all the world through Jesus Christ in whose name we pray the words that he taught us so long ago and yet once more today with millions around the world in every country and in every language lift up our prayer as well and say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. continue in worship, may the ushers come forward as they receive our gifts, tithes, and offerings.
And now, O Lord, before thy altar, we ask the blessings of these our gifts, that they might be used to this church and onto the world for the sake and the name and the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So if that phone call was for Gary or I, you can tell him we're busy. But uh, if it was God calling, just say, here I am, Lord. <laughs> On this Father's Day, it's a joy to be together. And we just want to acknowledge, if, uh, for all of you who are fathers today, we want to invite you to stand as we recognize you. thanks for the dads and for all of those who've had dads we give thanks as well <laughs> this morning it's a, a privilege you know I, I'm biased as a dad uh, but it's a privilege to be able to share uh, this time with my daughter um, we had the opportunity to sing at the eight o'clock and you know, I'm, I'm a proud dad and so I asked her if she'd be willing to share her gift her voice with the uh, 9 and 10 30 services and she gratefully agreed um, but she, she chose a song to sing. It's a, it's a praise and worship song entitled Good, Good Father. So uh, it's, it's a joy uh, as a dad. I'm, I'm proud. So, Laurie, it's because I get to hear you sing beautiful. <laughs>
a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing heart as we hear the scripture from Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 through 27. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren and God granted his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of God, and God said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the first. The elder shall be served the younger. When her time came to give birth at, was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle, so they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was in his early, was only, excuse me, Isaac was 60 years old when she, was, when, she bore, when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter and a man of the field, while his brother Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. This is God's word for God's people. May we pray, gracious and glorious God, we give you thanks and praise as we hear once more, your word that is shared, the word that has touched hearts and lives and continues to touch ours and speak to ours. May we have ears to hear and a willingness to receive in our heart that we will be forever transformed by the gift of your Holy Spirit and your grace, now and forever. Amen. Before I start my sermon, there's the old joke, and I didn't think about it until actually Nancy just shared the, the passage. You know, it, it said that Jacob, you know, Esau was in the fields, Jacob was in the tents. So it reminds me of the person who goes to psychologist or psychiatrist and just walks in going, I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam. And the psychologist goes, you're too tense. <laughs> See what you have to look forward to. Do you remember the Smothers Brothers? Someone actually just told me at the last service, I guess there was a special with the Smothers Brothers on last night. I, I unfortunately don't fully remember them, um, but I do remember a specific commercial with the Smothers Brothers on it. If you remember the old Planters Peanuts commercial, the Smothers Brothers, uh, I think it was Dickie? Dickie was eating the peanuts, and his brother Tom came in and said, where'd you get them? And you know, Dickie's like, oh, your mom gave them to me. And, Tommy goes, Mom always did love you best, to which Dickie responds, lower your tone of voice. Mom always did love you best. <laughs> There's something about that commercial. I just think that was one of the funniest commercials. <laughs> and I share it because I think that commercial brings out an important dynamic about families. You know, that, that age-old, good old sibling rivalry. It brings up that old question, which child is your favorite? Have you ever been asked that question? 
I've come to learn as a parent the, the, the ways that properly answer that question that you can't hopefully get into trouble. You know, oh, you're my favorite oldest child. You're my favorite child born in January or in July. You know? And you, you kind of find these ways to, to say it that you don't get yourself into trouble. You know, it can sort of get in trouble if you're a twin, but you know, even as we learned, Gary, you know, Gary was six minutes younger than his older brother. So you know, he, he said at the eight o'clock service, he pushed his brother out so he could be, you know, have some room. <laughs> but if you were asked a child, you know, if you were ask anyone who's been a child, young or old, it doesn't really matter what age, you know that the answers that we would give, you know, were you the favorite child? As an oldest child, you would have to say absolutely, because as an oldest child, you know you had more pictures taken. You, there's probably 10 pictures to one. The baby books are filled, I always share this, but the baby books are filled and there's so much about you, the videos, all of that that's out there. If you're a youngest child, you know that you by far are the favorite because your parents finally got it right, they can stop. <laughs> if you're a middle child, but you know, opposite gender of your older sibling and your young, younger sibling by default, you, you, know, you were loved because you were different than your siblings. If you're an only child, you win by default. <coughs> If you're a middle child, just know that your parents love you. So today, <laughs> kidding aside, yeah, I love it. Uh, one psychologist stated it this way. The one thing that you can bet your paycheck on is the firstborn and secondborn in any given family is going to be different. And I think that's very, very true words. No one is identical. We're all unique and different. And there's countless studies that deal with families and, and with family dynamics and the uh, importance of, of birth and, and ordering of birth and how it plays on a family and a child's personality. And these birth orders certainly affect how we act as children or even as adults. How many of you are firstborn? Quite a few. Excellent. So tell me if these personality traits are true. A natural leader, reliable. Structured, cautious, controlling, sometimes like a mini parent to your younger siblings. Simply by virtue of being a couple's first child, the firstborn will naturally be a sort of experiment for their parents. Uh, there's a mixture of instinct versus trial and error. So is that true? Firstborn, pretty accurate. For middle children, these are the hardest to determine the middle child. You know, because you could be the middle child of three kids. You could be like the sixth child of 400 kids. You know, um, if there's anyone who happens close to that. You know, it depends on where your ranking is and, and how many siblings there are. But generally speaking, middle children tend to, how many of you are middle children first? All right, quite a few. So tell me if this is true for middle children. People pleasers, somewhat rebellious, thrive on friendship, peacemaker, easygoing, and parents might raise the middle child with a little less of an iron fist due to their experiences with their firstborn. They might also be less attentive to a secondborn since there's another child competing for their attention. And they probably will be less inclined to impulsively call 911 when you break out in a sweat. So, is that true, middleborn? Pretty accurate. How many of you are youngest children? Wow, a lot of you. Youngest is the best, we know that. <laughs> Youngest, and I'm not biased in any way, shape, or form. Youngest children tend to be the most free-spirited due to their parents' increasingly laissez-faire attitude toward them. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, depending on how many kids there are, the more, the more I think it's fair to say, the more kids you have, sometimes your parents might even forget. You know? Did you ever, this is random, but did you ever get yelled at and get the whole laundry list of your siblings' names so they finally got to yours? I never got yelled at, so I didn't know that one. But, but a baby, you know, the baby of the family tends to be fun-loving, uncomplicated, manipulative, outgoing, attention-seeking, and self-centered. So, I don't see any of that going on. Youngest, is that true of us? Uh, it's always our older siblings' fault. So. But honestly, it gets more complicated as we take into account blended families, take into account adopted children, 
only children, gap kids, large years between them, or twins, or a host of other family dynamics. But whether it's personality conflicts or one sibling trying to usurp the authority or the, the position of another sibling, knowing about these personality traits makes it easier to understand why rivalries occur. But we all know that family happens, or family uh, conflicts happen regardless, just by mere fact of being siblings together. But it's not just siblings, it's all different types of relationship. So on Father's Day, what better thing to address than the types of family relationships in which we live, in which, in, in which conflicts occur, and learn how to handle these conflicts. Because I think just because they're family dynamics doesn't mean that we don't see these same situations outside the family. Anytime we're in a relationship, we have conflict that might arise. So how do we handle them? So looking at Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob, what better family to address? So start with the siblings. You have Esau and Jacob. They're twin brothers. I actually always wanted to be a twin, but I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> so. <laughs> Whatever Gary had, I think he shared it. <laughs> See, look, we youngest born, we pass it along. Wait. <laughs> what was it? All right. Esau was the firstborn. Jacob was the youngest. Esau got the short end of the stick from the beginning, if you think about it. Not only was Jacob holding on to his heel when he was born, but when, when Esau was born, it said that he had a hairy mantle. Now, you know, you've, uh, if you've ever gone to see a baby born, and when you go see a baby born, usually, what do you say? Oh, that's a beautiful baby. Or, you know, oh, you have a gorgeous little child, you know, whatever. What do the parents of the neighbors say? Oh, you have a beautiful hairy yeti. Like, how do, you, how do you address that? This child was doomed from the beginning. But later in life, Esau, though the favorite son of Isaac, gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup. And he was deceited out of his blessing. For years, he would come to seek vengeance on his brother out of anger. Jacob, on the other hand, was the favorite son of Rebekah. He was a mama's boy. While his brother was out working hard, Jacob was able to stay, and you know he was hearing all the blessings from his mom, and he was having it built up within him. He was attended to sitting in the shade of the tent in the cool of the day, or in the heat of the day. And during those long days, you know that Rebecca was telling, her, telling him all of the things that God had done through the family and for the family and how she, he was blessed. So Jacob, being true to the youngest son, probably rubbed it in Esau's face all the time. <laughs> I get to be inside. How's that heat going? So when Jacob took the blessing from Esau, you could understand the hatred that followed and that anger that followed. Esau literally lost everything the day that the blessing was taken. But if we look at the entire story of Esau and Jacob, we learn that there are three ways to handle a conflict. And again, this deals with siblings, but I believe that this can go well beyond siblings. You see, because there's three ways we can handle it. We can run away in fear like Jacob did, fearing his brother's anger, and he fled. Or we can be filled with such anger as was the case with Esau that we want to physically or emotionally harm someone or see harm befall someone else. As you know, neither one of those are going to lead to good, healthy relationships. But the alternative, after time apart, we learn to admit our part in the situation and seek forgiveness like Jacob or to extend forgiveness as Esau did as we turn to God for help and as we rely upon the Lord. The second relationship, parent to child, Rebecca was a 50-something first-time mom. You know she was in for a rough ride. From before her birth, it says the children were fighting in her womb. Imagine the labor pains on that one. To the point that Rebecca sought the Lord before she even wanted to die. It was so great within her. These weren't your everyday children either. These were going to be two people who nations would form from. You know, entire nations would come through their lineage. After they were born, each parent favored a different child and had hopes, dreams, expectations for how their child's life would turn out. I think Jacob could easily say to his brother Esau, you were, you know, dad always did love you best. Because it was true. 
But at the heart of these relationships, each parent wanted what was best or they thought was best for their child. And so they did everything they could to see their child succeed, as hopefully all parents would do, want their best for their kids and do all that they could to see their children succeed. To the point that each parent almost played the child against the other, like Rebecca taking the sheepskin and putting it on her son's arms, or sheep's wool putting it on her son's arms before going in to see Isaac. It becomes the classic parent knows best. And kids, you should just do what your parents say because we know what's going to be right for you. The problem with it is that almost every time without fail, it's going to end in failure of some sort. Not always, but... You know, when you play favorites against or favorites with your kids, one will always lose. And when you play favorites with your kids, someone is bound to be left out and hurt and the scars are everlasting. So looking at this family story, we learn several ways to handle conflict that will arise between parent and child. As a parent, you do all within your power to avoid showing favoritism. And it's amazing how many parents fall trapped to this one. Sometimes parents forget to value each child as unique and a special gift from God. And they favor one over another. Even if one hurts you or turns out in a way you never hoped for, never forget that they're still your child. Don't turn your back. Even if your child is long gone, holding on to hurt or fear or anger, never close the door on a possible return or reconciliation and a restoration of that relationship. They're never too far away. Don't be afraid to admit your, admit your mistakes. You're human. You're going to make them as a parent. And as children, don't put your parents against each other if your parents are still alive. And you see it all the time of kids, you know, especially younger kids or even older kids, knowing how to, how to play their parents against each other. Children, we are, regardless of age, we're to cultivate a unique relationship with our parents. Whether your parents are alive or not, do we give them credit for what they know and heed their advice? And this is the strongest one. We know that there are parents who are not perfect. We know that there are parents who really messed up along the way, who left those deep and meaningful scars or lasting scars. Yet even though that may be the case, even though they made a mistake or hurt, there's one mistake that they never made. When you look in a mirror, there's proof positive. For you were never a mistake. You were never anything less than God's best, purposefully created for a reason. Amen. Finally, spouse to spouse. I never thought about it before, but in this passage, we hear Isaac pray for a child at the age of 60. Ever wonder what Rebecca was praying? Now, it was a blessing to have a child. And Julie and I were having this conversation just earlier today. You know, it was a blessing to have a child. And you know she was probably excited to bear a child for what that meant. But to play the other side, for any woman who's over 50, any of you want to have a child now? <laughs> Anybody looking to have twins? It seems to be the perfect case of failure to communicate. Isaac praying for a child. We don't necessarily know at that moment what she was thinking. You know, the, Isaac, the story of Isaac and Rebecca started almost as a business venture at a well. Camels were offered, their story turned from a business venture to a marriage. Two different personalities, now married, seeking God's desires and God's will for their life. Imagine the baggage that Isaac was carrying when they met. Yeah, my dad tried to kill me on an altar. Imagine Rebecca, a strong, independent woman. Although earlier in life she may have wanted children, and maybe still wanted them, there probably were some fights over this, over this prayer. Yet both Isaac and Rebecca sought the Lord, though for different reasons they never, or they always went to God in prayer. If we read the entire story, we've never fully learned if they did come to see eye to eye. But what we do see is something very important to us and, and teaches us a lot about relationships, especially 
if you're in a relationship, if you're in a marriage, in order to handle conflict with your spouse, especially if you don't see eye to eye, you know, you can go through life as individuals. You can continue to do your own thing regardless of the other's needs, wants, desires, and live a life independent of your spouse. Or you can view your spouse as your partner, as Scripture tells us. One of the greatest joys that I have, you know, and I've shared it the last two services, I'll share it again. I have the privilege to be a pastor, but I always say Julie is the minister. You know, to see her wisdom, to see her faith, to see all that she does and the impact that she has not only in our household, but in this congregation, through the lives that were touched and made more complete on account of her. It's second to none. I just get the privilege to, to call her my wife, but more so I'm her husband. And I praise God. You know, when we start to look at our spouse that way, when we start to look at people that way, we begin to realize that we should be praying for one another for God's best for the other. So many times in life, we want to step forward and other people step back, right? Well, it should be just the opposite. We step back that another steps forward, that we allow them to shine, and we allow them to be all that God desires them to be. Yeah, I think this is one of the reasons, as an aside, why Gary and I make such a great team together. Not that we have all the answers, but that we complement one another. I think I've helped him get a little bit grayer, and he's helped me get a little bit more bald. But, <laughs> but we complement one another. His strengths are not mine, and my strengths are not his. But it doesn't change our love or our compassion for each other. And when we start to pray God's best for someone, in response we allow God to soften our heart regarding conflict in order to see God's love and handiwork shine through the spouse or through that other person. You see, prayer softens our hearts, softens situations. Then acknowledging that we don't always know best. Sometimes the other person knows more than we do. Probably more often than not, the other person knows a lot more than we do. But our pride won't allow it. But, you know, underlying all of these things, underlying each of these relationships, is a basic tenet of our faith. It's their foundation built on God. It's a relationship built on God. I say it all the time. What is the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart. And the second is like this, to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we can't truly love someone, and we can't truly give someone our all until we have given God our everything. Because it's in that foundation, upon that foundation, that we can then lead out and reach out to someone else. Whenever I do a service, uh, a memorial, I usually always end the same way. I ask people to hold hands, and some of you have heard me do this, but I ask people to hold hands and to give a little squeeze, and I paraphrase that old saying, we can't live in the past because we know we can't change it. And we can't wait for tomorrow to come because tomorrow's never going to get here. We're called to live today. It's a gift, and that's why we call it the present. You see, and I have people hold their hands, and I have people give a squeeze as I share because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know the one who holds our hand. So many times in our lives we wait until it's too late to tell the people that we love them. It's too late to tell the people in our lives that we got their back and that they're never going to walk alone. I remind people that life isn't a solo adventure. It's relationships. You know, so the joy of Father's Day, the joy of living, is that we get to be in relationship with one another, holding fast to one another's hand. You know, on this Father's Day, how are your relationships going? Maybe you have a broken relationship with someone. Maybe you've lost ties, cut someone off, whatever the case might be. Maybe there's such anger, hurt, resentment towards someone in your life that you don't know how to let it go. And it becomes almost a, an anchor around your neck that you can't let go of. Maybe there's someone that's broken your heart so great, so greatly that you don't know how to extend forgiveness. You know, I've realized in 13 and a half years here that regardless of the things I've done well or done poor, there's one thing I never, ever want to be questioned. And that's, I believe, in all things that our relationship is built on God through Jesus Christ. And see, I have people hold a hand because there's one who will never let your hand go. 
And regardless of the relationships in our lives, that one will be with us every step of the way. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So today on Father's Day, may you hold fast to the hand of the one who formed you in your mother's womb, the one who loved you and called you by name, beloved child. And from there, may you reach out, contact someone, call them, ask forgiveness, extend forgiveness. If you can't contact them, God knows your heart, pray, Lord, help me to let go. So, what's the serenity prayer? Grant me the serenity to change the things I can, accept the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. That simple prayer is amazing what it means. However, if you're in a great relationship, and if you have a great relationship with the people in your life, then I pray that today, if you want to do it now, that's great. Turn to the people standing next to you, turn or sitting next to you, the people that you came with. Say, God loves you. And I get the privilege to love you too. Because so by doing, we become the body of Christ. We show the world what it means to be in relationship, what it means to be beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God, Abba, Daddy. What greater thing is that? On this day, may you experience the heavenly embrace, the love of Abba poured out through Jesus Christ, our Savior. May we pray, glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that we might join together to experience your breath and your spirit pouring out to know that on this day as we celebrate and rejoice, we come from different areas, we come from different backgrounds, but we come with the same hope and the same faith in one Lord. And for this we rejoice because we know that there is no mountain too great. There is no scar too deep and too lasting that your love cannot heal it. Gracious God, may we today stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the promise of a life that is to come. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Savior. In whose name we pray. Amen. should stand as we join our hymn of dedication. This is my father's world. <laughs>
take a moment to grab the hands of those standing next to you. And as you do, give a little squeeze. Give a big squeeze. <laughs> you know, I say from the depths of my heart, thank you. Thank you. Julie and I and our family have been blessed for all these years for the privilege to serve, to be among this congregation. I'm excited for new opportunities, but more so excited for your love and your open arms to receive Walt and Rachel as the new pastors. But as you hold forth one another's hand, May you continue to hold fast to that embrace for the joy of 13 years of getting to hold one another's hands, to know that as we move forward, God's got this. God's in control, and for that we do rejoice. So as we go forth today, may you continue to hold one another's hands, to love one another, to lift one another up when you're tired and when you're sad to be the body and the light of Christ. So go forth this day to love and to serve, to never forget he who has you in his hands and he'll never let you go. Go in grace and peace now and forever. Amen. Amen. <laughs>